0: For us, authenticity and simplicity and being purpose-driven really are core values. That's not going to be true for every company, but I think when you look at the market overall, what you're seeing is that values-based buying is increasingly important. You're listening to Retail Remix your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito.
1: If you wanna bring a new product to market, you know that there are several stages you have to go through. You have to go through research, ideation, testing, and of course, improving. Depending on the industry that you're in or the product category you're representing, this process can take quite a while. But what if there was a way for you to accelerate those processes and gather, analyze, and apply data in a more meaningful way so you can create the best possible product for your customers? 100.co is a company attempting to do just that. And I had the chance to sit down with Philip Smolin, who is the chief platform officer of the company, and really helping shape the direction and the approach that they're taking. So we dug into, of course, the 100Co story, what they're prioritizing, how the technology works, but also some bigger picture trends and, of course, challenges that brands and retailers alike are facing as they strive to win and keep customer loyalty. Let's get into it. Philip, great to meet you, and thank you so much for taking the time out to join me today.
0: Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here, Alicia.
1: So let's start with the basics. Tell us a bit about 100.co and what its
0: mission is. Sure. So uh, 100.co is a new consumer product startup, and we are squarely focused on what we call AI-powered brand creation. So this is really about reinventing the product development process to be um, much more data-driven than it has been in the past. And the goal for that, in the end, for every consumer products company is to make better products that consumers are going to love and to be able to market them more effectively. But what we've seen is that while there's been a tremendous amount of innovation in the industry, and in fact, several, I want to say it was several weeks ago, Alicia, you had a really awesome podcast on NFTs, right? Non-fungible tokens. And so that's an awesome example about innovation within marketing. And then there's been innovation within advertising. It's become more programmatic. It's become more targeted. There's been innovation in retail around e-commerce and D2C and mobile apps and instant pickup. And there's been even innovation in logistics, right? Fulfillment by Amazon and 3PL. But all of these are downstream from what is really the core of product Development And how you determine what are the new products you should bring to market. And so we've seen that there's what we think is a tremendous opportunity in market to bring some really best in glass tools around data and artificial intelligence to better listen to the market and to be able to better understand and predict product market fit and driving innovation in new product development.
1: Fascinating. And we'll get into a lot of this, how it all works in a little bit, but I'm curious, how does this overall mission and objective for HundruCo kind of translate to your day-to-day work as chief platform officer?
0: So platform's a really interesting word because it can mean a lot of different things. And for some conglomerates, that have many brands in their portfolio, kind of like their central platform, is really around things like finance and human resources and maybe marketing and things like that. Platform for 100Co is about artificial intelligence tools. And I don't want to kind of get into the jargon, but that means things like machine learning, assisted learning, natural language processing. Basically, advanced tools pointed at a variety of publicly available data sources in order to better understand market trends, to better understand subsegments of the audiences, to better understand what are product opportunities and formulation opportunities and flavor profile opportunities. And all of that is about data. And so platform for 100 Co is about data-driven insights that inform that product development process through to the go-to-market kind of end-to-end life cycle And being able to bring that same strategy and toolkit to every brand in our portfolio.
1: Amazing. And, you know, we have our fair share of retail executives, brand executives that listen to this podcast weekly, and I think they can all agree that data is currency in a certain respect. It drives everything, especially in a time like now where things are changing so rapidly. And the key is to always have not just a solid product, a great product, but something that really aligns with not the market opportunity, but also customer needs, right? Like this is all insight that needs to be used and applied. And I know 100 Co. has its proprietary platform, Claire, which like you said, uses artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data, All of those big, meaty words that everyone wants to dissect and apply to their business. So let's dig into that for a little bit, if that's okay. Kind of how Claire works and, and most of all, kind of what that looks like in the brand research and creation process, right? Like what is that typical workflow, I guess you could say, if you could simplify it for us.
0: Certainly, there's a lot there that we can unpack. And I think it's worth kind of just taking a step back for a moment and looking at kind of maybe the the original problem statement. When you look at consumer products and consumer packaged goods, CPG in particular, for the last 100 years or so, it's been defined as an industry that really had to do things always at mass scale. You really needed to own the manufacturing. The consumer relationship was owned by the brick-and-mortar retail um, stores, and The way that you would have footprint and the shelf space within those stores is, again, you had to have scale. And then your advertising and communication was really around national TV advertising. So all of that was designed for scale, products that were universally applicable and interesting, and that you had a pretty lengthy and slow-moving product development process end-to-end through that. And so what we've seen now is with millennials and with Gen Z is that the market has changed so dynamically. I mean, look at the most recent census results, you know, about the diversification of the US population and how we shop and how we research, you know, for products. So the point of all that is to say it is a much more fragmented marketplace that we're in right now. And at the same time, you have this evolution in kind of the manufacturing and supply chain and logistical side of the industry. And so you can now really develop new products on much more of an on demand supply chain basis. You don't have to have that capital intensive manufacturing back end that you had to have 20 years ago, 50 years ago. So, what that does is it frees us up to be much faster in looking at market data, detecting trends developing new product concepts, being able to kind of evaluate those for fit in market and be able to develop them very quickly and then to be able to decide whether we believe a D2C strategy is going to be the correct commerce path for us. Should it be in partnership with a more traditional retailer? Should it be both? So platform for us is about bringing that data further up into the process working with brand teams that we choose to create based on where we have identified market white space. And so we have a term that we use internally. Most businesses and consumer products think in terms of purely product market fit. We actually think in terms of product market talent fit. And so what does that word talent mean? Well, so we've talked about product development a little bit so far. But the other aspect here is that how you market products for millennials and Gen Z and and not too distant future, Gen A is coming up in just a few years. There is such a strong social dimension to that, that understanding whether a brand launch should be in conjunction with a purpose-driven co-founder, someone who has a strong social presence and a very large social following that you're able to leverage as part of your go-to-market strategy is also kind of a key to unlocking this overall kind of equation for how you bring new products to market. So platform is at core of all of this. It informs the market research process at the very beginning stages, it informs the product strategy, it informs the product kind of like innovation, the formulation questions, and then all of those kind of strategies and audience segmentations and product models flow into what is the marketing and advertising as well. So it's really about bringing data into every step of the overall product development and go-to-market process.
1: Fascinating. So if we were to kind of break down the current processes, especially for DTC brands and even the retailers that are starting their own private labels, right? It seems like there are Models or workflows that are, I don't want to say broken, but almost constricted by the quote unquote old ways or quote unquote status quo. Is that fair to say? Like, I, I guess I'm trying to kind of break down what 100 Co is transforming or even reinventing when we're looking at the way products or brands are developed and how they go to market.
0: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And first of all, every company is different. I think there are some companies that are much more innovative in the space. I'm a huge fan, for example, of Honest Company and what Jessica Alba has created there and how they have really done a fantastic job of identifying a trend in market, which you can think of as kind of a meta trend about kind of like better quality ingredients and you know what is better for you and better for the world. And applying that to products people are already familiar with. We have twin babies at home at my house that are eight months old. And so having better for you and better for the baby, better for the world, baby wipes is really important. A baby wipe is not a new thing, but how they've developed it and how they bring it to market is very much new. Now, that is a great example of success story. But there's a very common statistic in the industry that about 80% of new product just fail. And you don't hear about a lot of them because they're trials. And they're quickly rolled up, and then people don't like to talk about their failures. But that product development process for most organizations is still pretty legacy. They might aspire to be very data-driven, but in reality, it tends to be frequently based on leadership experience. It's based on doing things like store walks, having interns put together maybe a summary of kind of social trends. And our focus has been to really bring a much more kind of sciences-driven approach to that process, because what we've seen, and and we bring expertise together for the formation of the company, we've brought together expertise on kind of the, the brand development side, on beverages and beauty and categories like that, but we've paired that with deep expertise from marketing and advertising intelligence tools, where there's been a tremendous amount of innovation over the past 10, 15 years. And so what we're doing is looking at the market and seeing a landscape where there's a massive amount of data. When you look at social platforms and every brand has a page and products have their own pages and their customers and even their non-customers go to those pages and they talk about them. When you look at e-commerce platforms and the availability of ratings and comments from there, when you look at, from a competitive standpoint, being able to understand on product listings, what are kind of product ingredients, packaging, price points? There's actually so much data available in market that if you bring the right tool sets to the analysis of that data, there is a wealth of information about market trends and market desires that consumers are offering up. You just need to listen better. And at the end of the day, that's what like great technology is really about is active listening. It's understanding the market in much greater clarity and really being able to identify sub-segments of the market from just what is the general population and being able to do that at scale, being able to do it repeatedly, and to be able to do it across categories.
1: Yeah, some great points there. So a quick, I guess, almost adjacent question around some of the factors that are driving product development, innovation, and private label. We've been covering a lot around ethical sourcing, sustainability, social responsibility. And it seems like you noted the Honest Company in a previous example, which is a great one. It seems like that is largely driving the emergence of new brands, but also the loyalty of, of certain brands. And I love your take because, again, you're, you're in the business of creating these brands, using data to look for new opportunities and serving customers in new ways. How do you think this trend in particular is influencing product development? Does it make the process I guess, maybe a bit more complicated or maybe even just different than it typically is. I could imagine there are some nuances to ensuring that things are sourced the right way, that there's transparency, but I'm not not an expert. So I'd love your take on how social responsibility in particular is kind of shaking up product development and go-to market.
0: It's a fascinating question. I think a big part of that comes down to the values of a company and of a team itself. For us, authenticity and simplicity and being purpose-driven really are core values. That's not going to be true for every company. But I think when you look at the market overall, what you're seeing is that values-based buying is increasingly important. So it's not just about doing good, but doing good is also doing good business increasingly. Now, it's going to depend upon the market segment that you're talking about. And what it does for product development is it adds more complexity because there are more things that you need to look at. It used to be that maybe if you were creating shelf-stable food products, you're just looking at flavor, right? If it tastes great, people are going to buy it. But now people want to know more than that. They want to know, yeah, I want something that tastes great, but is it going to be good for me? Okay, if it's good for me, is it also good for the environment? Is there potentially a give back component? Depending upon the audience that you're talking to and the company that you want to be, you're going to reach some different conclusions in there. And there are a lot of macro trends. Some of the ones that we look at are trends around inclusiveness, female-founded brands or black-owned, for example. Things like UD products traditionally were for female. Those are now increasingly for male. All of those are around inclusiveness, that's separate from sustainability. That's separate from things that are better for you, ingredients, or elevating the product experience, or inner wellness and outer wellness. There are a lot of dimensions to this, and this kind of goes back to that idea of platform and why it becomes so important when you look at this world that has so many different types of audience segments and different priorities. How do you navigate that? How do you de-risk the product development process so that you're able to understand what are the priorities for different groups? what are the things that are white space opportunities in market? Where is there a lack of competitors within that positioning based on those industry trends? Or where is it very crowded? And so, yes, you could create a new product, but honestly, you may choose not to because there's already a lot of entrants that are coming up within that space. All that is about being able to listen to and interpret the market.
1: Yeah. I really appreciate, Philip, how you spotlighted that nuance because i feel like sometimes and i say this as someone who studies the industry reports on the industry and and speaks to executives every day i feel like sometimes with these big topics we almost fall into the trap of Trying to oversimplify things, if that makes sense. Like we're trying to say like, oh, if you want to appeal to socially conscious consumers, do XYZ. But I think your response just shows how many layers there are to it and most of all, how many possible approaches there are that vary greatly depending on the brand, the product, or the possible product, as well as those customer-based factors that we've been talking about. So that's just one thing that struck me. I feel like there are a lot of other trends too, probably that are incredibly nuanced and have a lot of variables to consider, which is why the product development process can get so complex, right? And, And a bit cumbersome, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. And if I can add a comment on that, there's such an important point, I think around brand authenticity, that really should not be lost because when you have kind of a two-dimensional analysis that says millennials care about the environment and so therefore you just kind of paint a layer of environmentalism over your brand, it's very hollow, right? And I think most consumers are going to see through that pretty quickly. So being authentic, being purpose-driven, choosing to enter a product category, choosing to create a new brand and ensuring that its values and its team are aligned to kind of what those social trends are that are a component of your brand and product strategy. Again, doing good can simply be good for business, but you also have to do it right.
1: Fabulous and very important point. I agree. So, I do want to get into some of the competitive dynamics that are taking place in this world right now. So, we've talked about this a few times in little mentions here and there, but DTC has become huge over the past 2 years. I mean it's been ever present in in some capacity but we've seen CPG brands try and start their own e-commerce sites. We've seen companies try to own more of that customer experience which is fascinating and and really fun to see shake out in my opinion. But on the flip side we're also seeing retailers invest in their own private labels. So it seems like we are seeing the competition accelerate from different angles or or different sides of the retail landscape. I'm curious what your thoughts are as far as how that may influence or impact the, not just the competitive landscape itself, so how entrenched things are, how competitive things get, but whether this may impact the level of innovation and positive change that may be taking place in the future. Because I feel like, again, going back to some other trends happening in retail. So Amazon, for example, there are so many conversations or were so many conversations around keeping up with Amazon, competing with Amazon. And it kind of created this, I guess, this essence of like everyone kind of chasing each other's tails or creating this race to the bottom, which I felt like kind of hurt some retailers in the long run. So I'm wondering if there's a similar, I guess similar scenario or possible issue that may emerge in this particular space.
0: Whew, that is a big question. I can offer a couple of opinions, but at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really knows, you know, definitively how it all plays out. But let's start with hopefully what are some basics of competition is a good thing. Competition drives innovation. You know, innovation generally is good for consumers, both in selection and experience. You know, how they're able to shop, the price points that they're able to get those products at, when light, white label products are brought into market by retailers. And of course, you have to keep an eye towards when does it does the lack of competition because someone's so successful. You know, does Amazon start to really block innovation because it's so concentrated? You know, in its market share, so dominant. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think there's a lot of innovation, great innovation that's going on. It's funny, you know, you mentioned kind of Amazon, uh, but then where a lot of the discussion is right now is around Amazon FBA, right, fulfillment by Amazon, and then the rollups that are happening. You know, companies like Thrasio and Perch that are kind of using Amazon as an innovation center as they're looking for new brands. But I think one of the things that's interesting about that is oftentimes what they wind up acquiring or the risk of acquiring kind of one hit wonders, like here's a single SKU that has ranked well within a niche audience, but that doesn't mean that it's really extensible. And I think for most people, certainly it's true for me, I'm curious to hear if it's true for you, there's a limited number of brands that we really want to have a deep relationship with, limited number of brands that we're going to buy a lot of different products from and that we're comfortable trying new products simply because we trust the brand. And so even though I think there's a lot of kind of experimentation, innovation that's going on right now, at the end of the day, it's not just about what are great products, but it's also about what are great brands that drive loyalty. And I'll go back to Honest Company, right? As I think, you know, a poster child for the next generation of what that looks like. And so that's really more the type of exemplar that we're looking towards. And, you know, the brands that we're launching over the coming several months are much more focused on as opposed to kind of that Amazon FBA model, for example.
1: And now a word from our sponsor.
0: Retail is embarking on a new digital driven era. What new opportunities await for your business? What new ideas are just waiting to be discovered? You can find it all at the 2021 Retail Innovation Conference. We're going digital again. For two jam-packed days of tactical sessions, thought-provoking discussions, and AI-powered matchmaking and mentoring sessions with some of retail's brightest minds. Join executives from Neiman Marcus, Adore Me, and Crate & Barrel for one of the industry's top events on all things innovation. Register for free. Yeah, you heard that right. At retailinnovationconference.com. That's RetailInnovationConference.com.
1: It's interesting because I'm always willing to try a different brand, especially if there is some sort of value or something new or different than I'm accustomed to and maybe it feels a bit stale or, you know, I just stick with the brand because it's the one I've always used or relied on. but. I'm at the point where I'm like, eh, I might as well just try something different, right? I'm sure a lot of people were in the same boat (laughs) over the past few years now, just based on price, accessibility, delivery options, etc. But it's going to take a lot for me to be like, oh yes, this is the brand. Like, this is the one I'm going to go back to again and again. And I honestly don't know whether that's because, you know, I'm just used to having so many options and I don't like that idea of being tied down, but... I agree. Having that great brand that really resonates with you and you feel connected to, I think that's really the heart of it, right? And again, going back to the Honest Company, they actually just recently rebranded, but they had a great approach where they were true to the roots of the brand and I think the essence of what so many people came to love and rely on about it and like the core values But they elevated it, and they matured it, and they basically said, like, this aligns with our next step as a business, and they communicated that to their audience, which I think getting your community involved is so important, especially when you talk about evolving the brand and thinking about that next step.
0: Yeah, one of the brands that we're launching pretty shortly is in partnership with someone you may know uh, named Jay Shetty and his wife, Roddy Shetty. And Jay Shetty is a former monk. He is a world-renowned author. He's been a number one Amazon bestseller. He's a life coach, podcaster. He's a speaker. He is someone that is extremely popular who helps people and who makes people feel a lot better about themselves and, and gives them tools for managing their lives during complex times. He has 30 million Facebook followers. He has 8 million Instagram followers, and we're launching you know, in conjunction with Jay, a new product line that is very purpose-driven and authentic to who Jay is. And so those are the types of, when I talked earlier about product market talent fit, we can say that, oh, we've identified that there's a market opportunity for T that has functional benefits, right? That really are not just about what are great flavors and delicious, but that are also very good for you. But to be able to pair that with the type of person who wants to bring those products to market and who can help drive some of that innovation informed by the technology that we bring, that's where we see an opportunity to create elevated brands that break through a lot of that noise that you're talking about of a lot of kind of like comparable products that you could try And what are brands that you trust? What are brands that have values that align with your own? And they may not be for everyone. And our goal is not to build products that are the same for every single consumer, but that they are products that speak to you and they're brands with values that speak to you.
1: Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought up examples because we've talked a lot about how 100Co works, the Clare platform, the role of data and insight in finding these new product opportunities and ensuring success throughout the development and, you know, go-to-market lifecycle. Can you share any other examples of, you know, how this all works and how it's been applied in the past? I would love to kind of hear some real-life examples of, of what this really looks like in action.
0: Well, so let me give you two parts on this. And so one is from a little bit of personal experience from my prior career, which was within advertising and marketing technology specifically. So not on the product development side, but I was the head of strategy and kind of like product development for marketing intelligence platforms. And so we would develop these awesome insights, these data-driven insights about audience clusters different sub segments of audiences that a brand should be talking to. And we'd get so excited about them. And we would bring them to companies that were, you know, alcoholic beverage companies or car manufacturers, right? It wasn't about certain types of products. We would see this consistently that we would bring these really, really robust insights to the marketing team saying, Hey, you think that you are targeting millennials who care about really kind of like green car technology right so you're an automotive brand and you're marketing to you know younger audiences who care about the environment yeah what we're seeing in the data is that you actually have more interest from green retirees right the other end of the demographic spectrum than you do on the younger end and they would get excited about that but only up to a point because they could not actually take that insight they could change some of their messaging strategies they could change some of their ad targeting strategies but they were unable to bring those insights further up into the product development process so that they couldn't start making changes to like how they were designing cars that maybe their features on the dashboard or in how kind of the seats work that are going to be of greater interest to an older demographic as opposed to a younger demographic right and so that's at cars right that's about building things that cost thirty thousand dollars But we consistently would see that all the way down to consumer packaged goods and beverages, for example. So the goal is really about bringing that data and those insights further upstream into the process. Now, when we're working with someone like Jay Shetty, right? Jay knows his audience super well. He knows what they care about. He knows how he talks to them today, the things that he brings to them as that author, being a coach and a podcaster. But he doesn't necessarily know their flavor preferences. And so when we talk about bringing kind of like these, this great new tea brand to market that we're launching within the next several months, that it's been an iterative process where the AI is there to help. It is science that helps to power the art of marketing. We're able to do deep research across the landscape of tea consumers. And of tea products that are in market today, but also in flavor trends outside of the tea kind of segment. And to be able to bring that as recommendations for flavor profiles and and unique flavor combinations that Jay and Roddy are able to evaluate and decide what are the ones that they like and that we also see really represent where we believe the market is going based on kind of this wealth of data. So it's really about being able to bring that those insights very, very early into the product development process and to be able to iterate much more quickly on a process that for traditional CPGs would probably take them months to quarters of market research and market testing that we're able to do in days to weeks in contrast.
1: Wow. That's incredible. So I think to our earlier points around the speed of change, the constant evolution of consumer preferences, behaviors, but also those market dynamics that kind of creates that perfect agile strategy that I know a lot of brands are really thinking about right now. So thank you for breaking that down for me. But um, Philip, as we sort of close out our conversation, I always like to ask companies about their priorities moving forward, what trends they're focusing on, what tech they have a bit of an interest in. So obviously, 100Co has invested extensively in its platform and AI capabilities. So, I mean, where, where are your company's priorities moving forward and what trends in the marketplace are really going to be a driver or influencer in your future roadmap and plans?
0: Sure. So there are, I think, a few things worth touching on. We have made two acquisitions pretty quickly already. They're both within the AI technology sphere. That is going to continue being core for us. We will be looking at additional partnerships that help facilitate the data that comes into our platform. And we're really focused on kind of like two general categories of data. One, which is what is the publicly available information that consumers choose to post on social platforms and on retail platforms and other kind of like public environments where our goal is not to kind of like monitor people or anything like that. We want to listen to them. So working with those platforms where consumers are offering information where we can listen to them and just do a better job at listening to them. But then also for the brands we launch, we'll almost always have a strong D to C component. And the reason why is that we want to have that direct relationship. And a direct relationship means you can have a direct conversation, which again is about data. We want to be transparent to our customers and we want to be active listeners in return to them. And from that, we learn. And as we learn, we make better products and we become more effective at marketing those. So core for us as we look forward are the tools that go into the technology of AI, but it's also about the data that feeds into that. Now, as we look at the ongoing evolution of retail, I think there's been a a very historic tension between who controls the consumer relationship and therefore who controls the data that goes along with that. And we will be very open, very engaged with those retailers Who are looking at evolving the model and having more collaborative relationships where we're able to help them with some of our insights and that they're able to help us by providing more data that informs those insights. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there to continue evolving what is that overall model. And we'll also be innovating within marketing tactics. I mentioned the very uh, beginning of the call. You have that great podcast on NFTs. And so those are some of the types of partnerships and strategies that we'll also be engaged in. Because at the end of the day, millennials, Gen Z in a few years, Gen A, how brands engage with them, how you communicate, how you gamify things with them, whatever it is that it may be, you always need to be evolving kind of how you interact with consumers. And so that will also be a source of innovation for us and a source of partnership for us. And it's, it's an exciting time. In the industry, there's so much change going on and that makes it fun and it makes it great for consumers at the same time.
1: A hundred percent agree. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) Philip, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. Really exciting stuff your company is doing that you're doing and really love talking shop with you. It seems like we cover so much in retail customer experience, marketing, but obviously the core of it all is a really great product. And it seems like you're, you're really trying to use all this great data out there to your advantage, but of course to the shopper's advantage as well. So thank you again so much for taking the time.
0: Alicia, thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: And to all of you, hope you enjoyed this conversation with Philip. If you have any follow-up questions for him, give us a shout. We're on Twitter at our touch points or on LinkedIn at retail Touchpoints. And of course, if you haven't subscribed to the pod already, we're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we are likely there. And if you like what you hear, drop us a comment and of course, give us a rating. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.